This show is sponsored by This Could Be Your Name, the writer of This Could Be Your Book. Contact us to find out more about sponsoring an episode. The following content is strictly designed for the enjoyment of a mature adult audience. Headphones are recommended as these stories are recorded in left-to-right dimensional stereo. Hello, sexy people. This is Natalia, and you're listening to All the Filthy Details, the Erotica Communities Podcast. We have an incredible show planned for you today. We'll start with our next installment of The Infidelity Diaries, followed by an interview with one of our star recommendation winning authors, Sasha Hope. We'll then review three erotica titles with the intention of awarding one of them with this episode's star recommendation, with the assistance of another star recommendation winning author, Tiny Sparks. Before we close, we'll give a preview of our latest exclusive project, Spite, only available on our Patreon. Before I forget, we have an online mailing list available via our Twitter profile. You want to get on that so you don't miss opportunities if you're an author, news, and even freebies if you're a fan. Anyway, let's get started with our next episode of The Infidelity Diaries. Previously on The Infidelity Diaries. Someone is giving up trying to make excuses, huh? What if we got rid of that pair of idiots? Are the problems going to start now? That cold, brutal look never left his face. But he fucked me like never before. He released a cascade of cum that made me choke, though I gladly swallowed every drop. My brow furrowed at the unknown number. Bravo, Olivia. What a show. Oh, there's something else. Say cheese, Livy. I looked out the window to see a small drone flying right outside. The Infidelity Diaries. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 4 Even after I'd spent the night with my phone turned off, my anxieties were at their peak. The mystery texter still wouldn't reveal their desires beyond three initial demands. First, I had to trust them. Their anonymity made that problematic. Second, they wanted me to keep quiet. I couldn't tell or warn Darren of our interactions. Finally, they wanted to talk. Now that I was interested in. Shortly after Harry left for the day, I retreated to the lounge with a mug of freshly brewed coffee in hand. Switching on my phone, I was expecting to be greeted with some form of attempted blackmail. Surprisingly, what I got instead was a voicemail attempting to explain the unexplainable. Hello, Olivia. I'd like to apologize for the approach which I engaged you last night. But I had to make it crystal clear that you could trust me with your deepest, darkest secrets. In due time, I hope I can trust you with a burden of mine. First, I want to assure you that I wasn't watching you per se. Beyond that, all I can tell you is that something is brewing, and your allegiance with the complicated truth may be misplaced. You don't have the whole picture. You are in a unique situation, one that could possibly accelerate somebody else's plan. Carry on as usual. Attend the housewarming. But remember this. People aren't who you think they are. Now, what am I supposed to do, I thought. I didn't trust this mystery person. Did they consider themselves my ally, despite their attack yesterday? And yet, what choice did I have but to work with them? I'd have to play ball until I knew what I was up against, or I'd risk the destruction of my marriage for their entertainment. 
The only thing I knew I could do for certain was to keep prying eyes out of my bedroom. I fired an email to Deepak, who had created customized solutions to protect his clients from intrusive behavior in the past. He quickly responded that he would handle my drone problems, though he wasn't around to meet up for a couple days. Before he signed off his response, he warned me that the range of most drones meant that the user was likely somebody who spent a lot of time in my neighborhood. That sounded about right. Usually, days like this drag, but unfortunately, this one didn't. Harry was back home before I knew it. The intensifying aroma of a smoky grill married to the increasing sounds of outdoor chatter alerted me that the housewarming barbecue was in full swing. Clutching our wrapped gift in one arm and hooking Harry's arm with my other, we strolled over to meet the neighbors. Georgina and Alfie were the newest and youngest couple on the street. Apparently, they'd already had a housewarming with their friends and family. This one was all about meeting the neighbors. The very same neighbors Deepak warned me to be wary of. I was overcome with anxiety before I even said a word to anybody at the party. Naturally, I attempted to gravitate to the people we conversed with the most. Leah and Darren were already in a deep conversation with Margot Rice, a well-respected judge who lived on our street. Leah gave me a token finger fluttering wave, which I read as dismissive as we approached. We backed off to navigate us into a different conversation and found ourselves intercepted by Sarah and Jim, who insisted we join them for dinner in a couple of weeks. Jim and Harry shared a love of sports, so they could talk endlessly compared to Sarah and myself, who have little in common. As I listened to their sports talk, another neighbor named Faye crept toward me. Faye, a single woman who lived with her two teenagers, was the neighborhood gossip. It came as no surprise when she greeted us with a few sharp quips berating our hosts. Just as soon as Faye approached me, Georgina's voice boomed over the crowd. She thanked us all for coming, but all I could focus on was a photographer in a brown leather jacket talking to Alfie. Come take a picture the unfamiliar with face was enough to take throw a my anxiety over the edge. Hun, I'm feeling a little dizzy, Here's my I hair whispered hair. to Harry. Did you know he drew himself away from his conversation and ushered me home. Once home, he helped me shower. The water hitting my body helped a little. Once out of the shower, I sought to find my husband in only my underwear and robe. It didn't take long to find him using his phone in the office lounge. Feeling better? He asked. Much better, I confirmed, approaching his seat and placing my bare foot teasingly near his groin. Oh, so you're feeling that good, huh? He asked. He quickly unbuckled the belt of his trousers. On the release of his zip, I pushed my toes into the space to lightly provoke his stiffening cock. He clambered to pull down his trousers and boxer shorts as I dropped to my knees in front of him. Prepared for this moment, I produced a small sachet of lube from my robe. Tearing it open, I massaged the oily fluid onto his penis. All the while, I kept my eyes intensely focused on his. He moaned as I pumped his cock with one hand, alternating grips and bringing one finger over my mouth to sample the sweetly flavored mm. lube. Mmm, peaches and cream, I murmured. Okay, woman, you're done now. Playtime is over. 
Harry rose to his feet and pushed me face first into the couch. He lifted me by my hips and brought his throbbing dick to my opening. Harry felt slick against me, having torn away the flimsy fabric between us. His slicking erection penetrated me with ease, overcoming what little resistance my body had left. My body began to warm to his intentions as he spread my buttocks, allowing him to push in closer. Yeah. With each furious pump came a loud clap of flesh hitting flesh. Our sounds reverberated throughout the room until he came. Holding his stiffened body against mine, he emptied himself before tossing me aside onto the sofa. He pulled out and walked off without much as throwing a towel at me. Collapsed and curled up on the couch, my phone buzzed from the pocket of my robe. Unlocking the device, I was met with a cryptic text message from the mysterious stalker. Why did you leave so early? You missed the fireworks, lol. Next time on the Infidelity Diaries. What happened to your face, Darren? What's wrong with that stupid bitch? Shall I take care of you properly? It wasn't a fight. If it had been a fight, I swear I'd... Shh! Pushing it into me while brushing my rear with a trailing digit. over to our Patreon to hear our next episode right away. Plus, all of our audiobooks and secret podcasts for an incredibly low cost. Hot erotica to look out for. Reclaiming His Rights by Elena Nix. A careless mistake convinced Jason that for his wife's sake, he had to abandon the dominant, submissive aspect of their marriage. Now he realizes that giving up Lila's submission was an even bigger mistake. After months of believing he rejected her, she won't even talk about it. He's determined to reclaim her, but he'll have to break down her resistance before he can regain her trust. Permanent links can be found in the description on this episode. Would you like us to plug your erotica title? Also head over to our Patreon to see our unbeatable deal. Shh, numbers are limited. If you haven't done so already, click on our Twitter profile and subscribe to our Twitter integrated online mailing list for previews, exclusive looks, and details on special offers. You're listening to all the filthy details. (laughs) Time for our spotlight on eroticists. Sasha Hope joins us after securing one of our star recommendation awards for her book, The General's Gambit. Hello, Sasha. We know very little about you, so we'd love to use this opportunity to get to know you better. Let's start on your niche. Gay erotica, mainly in historic settings. What drew you to write about this niche? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm honestly just beginning to see and interact more with the erotica community online. My main genre is romance, but it's been blending a lot recently. I actually started writing in this niche in my teens after friends introduced me to the wonderful world of fanfiction. As much as it gets maligned at times, I have definitely found that the fanfic community online is amazing. For me, It was a great place to start learning to tell stories and to get feedback, as well as a place to try things out and explore different genres, uh, and eventually to write erotica. I still put a ton of fanfiction out on AO3 whenever inspiration strikes, but in the past few years, I've been focusing more on original works and looking into traditional indie and self-publishing. So far, I've done indie publishing with my Luxor City series, and His General's Gambit was my first foray into self-publishing. 
Uh, I love writing romance and smut and have always tended to focus on writing gay relationships in historical settings. I don't know if I can point to an exact reason why I was first attracted to this niche, but I think as a feminine presenting asexual person, writing about men or male bodies uh, helped me detach in a way that makes it easier for me to write about and explore sex. As for the historical settings piece, that mainly comes down to aesthetics as well as a sort of... I like the dialogue, diction, and interactions that you can get away with when you're writing period pieces. I really just like giving the characters lofty titles and vaguely Shakespearean dialect. Um, but also historical research is really fun for me, so there's that too. Uh, his General's Gambit, for example, has this fantasy setting that took some inspiration from the northern China-Mongolia border dynamics of ancient times, and I brought in a little of the court intrigue that I love to see when I watch historical Chinese dramas. Um, the most recent novella I have out is Stormy Seas, which is published with my friend Rick Collins. It's a gay pirate anthology, so that's obviously historical as well. Even in stories I've written that are set in like speculative fiction future type atmospheres like Looks or City series, I still created a future world where the 1920s and 1930s art deco design aesthetics are everywhere. So yeah, I cannot deny that I love period pieces and a good old timey aesthetic. Your book The General's Gambit was on the short side. Was there a plan to create a sequel? Or would you prefer to create something new? Okay, it's funny you mention the shortness of his general's gambit, because as well as being my first time self-publishing, this was also the first time I'd written something so short that wasn't just fan fiction. A friend of mine who dipped their toes into the self-pub world before me had just released a few quick reads that were all under 20 pages. They convinced me to give it a go, and I kind of just copied their style with the, you know, short reads type thing. I do have a vague plan to write more than one story in this universe. Um, I want to explore the characters and the settings a bit more, but apart from a few lines of planning, I don't actually have a manuscript actively in progress. There are a few other projects that I want to work on before coming back to this universe. Uh, I will say, though, my planning outline for the next part involves bringing the general back to the palace, and I honestly don't think I'm going to give him and the royal counselor the comfortable bed that was mentioned in the last story just yet. Having a snoop on the internet, we discovered that you work within the games industry. Without revealing where you work, what sort of thing do you do? Yes, this is true. Um... <laughs> I've worked in the video game industry for over six years now. Uh, I work for a massive company on a major title that's been around for a long time, and I'm fairly sure everyone has heard of it, but that's all I will say. <laughs> My job involves managing a team of designers and artists, as well as working with multiple international teams. I work on live operations and basically make sure that we have accurate scope and capacity plans to get all the fun stuff out there that we want to have on our roadmaps. Um, it's honestly not very sexy, <laughs> but it's really satisfying for me to see all that planning come together for our big game launches. Yeah, so it's a super fun job and I honestly can't see myself doing any other day job. How passionate are you about telling stories that remind us that Gay people come from all ethnicities, from all parts of the world, throughout the ages. Was this what you were going for, or was this a pleasant byproduct? So I am extremely passionate about this subject matter. There's been a long and storied erasure of LGBT plus culture and history throughout the years, especially for people of color. It's pretty much a universal issue. As both a queer and a mixed race person myself, I really do think it's extremely important for all people to see themselves represented in all forms of media. I also generally enjoy incorporating multiple languages, cultures, and histories into my work. 
it's definitely a conscious decision I'm making to include characters of diverse backgrounds and ethnicities to set my stories in both Western and non-Western settings. Um, yeah, though I will say it's also just something that naturally seems to appeal to me. Um, and I always hope it adds a little extra intrigue and fullness to my work. Which authors do you enjoy reading? What niches and genres do they write? I actually tend to read a lot of classics. Tolstoy is probably my favorite author, and I especially like how he describes his many, many characters. Um, uh, I love Anna Karenina, and I'm currently reading What is Art, which is more of an essay than an actual story. <laughs> uh, I often find myself reading literary fiction as well, even though I honestly don't love the style of writing that's popular in the genre. Um, I've read a lot of uh, Andre Ashman's books, like Call Me By Your Name and Enigma Variations, uh, which was probably my favorite. Uh, besides that, I do tend to try to read books by diverse authors, mostly romance, sci-fi, and fantasy. I've really enjoyed the Tensorate series recently by uh, Nyan Yang. I like that they explored, you know, gender fluidity and the way they did that in their books. Uh, also, ever since I published with Nine Star Press, I've picked up a lot of novels from my fellow authors publishing LGBT plus reads with them. So yeah, Nine Star publishes a lot of romance, but some of the novels kind of fall into the erotica category as well. Uh, you can you can do what I do, which is always filter by the explicit content if you're looking for that. <laughs> uh, I can't forget to mention I also read a lot of fan fiction, uh, usually from whatever media I'm currently obsessing over. So yeah, definitely always reading fan fiction. What are you working on at the moment? Can we have a preview? Sure, sure. Um, I constantly have too many projects on the go. Right now I'm finishing up another side story for my Luxor City series. Currently, I have the first two books published with Nine Star Press, The Empires of Luxor City and Between Empires and Continents. Luxor City is a megaverse speculative gay romance that follows the leaders of different criminal empires in and around an island called Luxor City. This story, Borders Between Empires, follows an Omega cop who has a run-in with one of the city's notorious alpha gangsters after he's accidentally crossed into another gang's territory. So yeah, if you've never read Gay Omegaverse, I've been told that my books are a pretty good primer. So just putting that out there. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to include all the tension and power dynamics and tropes that come along with this sort of gangland crime drama. I've never read my stuff out loud, so let's see how this goes. The interrogation room was empty and colorless, with little more than a table and two chairs all bolted securely to the floor. The cold metal table didn't budge an inch when Hanny shoved Jamin back against it. Now, now, officer, Jamin tutted as he stumbled back and adjusted his grip on the edge. Some might call this police brutality. I'm just a citizen here in the Central Empire. Hanny pointed a finger in his face. Shut up, Jamin, he hissed keeping quiet even though the room was soundproof and there was no cameras rolling. What the hell is wrong with you? It's like you want the entire precinct to know we're fucking. I mean, we're not fucking, Jamin noted. Not yet, anyway. Hanny felt his face burn red hot at that slip-up. You know what I mean, he spluttered. Well, Jamin hummed thoughtfully. If we were fucking, would you care what they think? Really? They just watched you drag me away into a locked room. The Alpha reached out and pulled Hanny closer with firm hands on his narrow hips. What must they think, hmm? Hanny only stopped himself from stumbling forward with one hand on Jamin's broad chest. Alpha Yi, he said, with a hint of warning in his tone. Do you really hate that idea? Jamin whispered in his ear. All your co-workers out there thinking that some southern gangster is fucking little Officer Hanny over the interrogation table? Hanny gasped, closing his eyes. Jamin leaned in to him. His hot breath tickled Hanny's neck 
as he ran the tip of his nose along his jaw, tracing a line up his ear. He whispered, they can only wish they were me. Shivering, Hanny pushed back with both hands. Jay, Hanny, Jamin cut him off, mimicking his desperate tone. You were so much fun this weekend, what happened? Hanny leaned back and glared. You haven't even texted me since then, he replied. He'd been busy with work, so it honestly didn't bother him. But he just wanted a tease, and Jamin took the bait. I was waiting until you were free, he replied. And besides, every time I got, every time I go to text you, I get distracted. I wanted to keep that lovely picture you sent me front and center for a little while longer. Hanny closed his eyes. There were lapses in judgment, but then there were lapses in sanity. What had he been thinking sending Jamin a picture of himself like that? You'll have to send more soon, Jamin teased. Shut up. Jamin raised a thoughtful brow. You keep saying that, but I absolutely will not. Unless you make, before he could finish, Hanny had his lips sealed in a kiss. Neither of them could hold back a gratifying moan. Jamin jerked Hanny forward until the smaller man was standing between his legs, their bodies aligned, pressing together from torso to hip. Hanny gasped against Jamin's lips as firm hands gripped his sides, fingers spread along his back, curving down, caressing the pronounced arch of his back. Jamin spun them around and took advantage. He pressed Hanny to the solid metal table. A gasp broke their kiss as Jamin's hands slipped over his ass and squeezed. With a sharp tug, Jamin pulled Hanny to the edge. He had been he was like an animal running between Hanny's legs, still fully clothed, his winter jacket getting in the way. Hanny tugged the black wool ties, pulling the buttons free and ripping the front of Jamin's coat open. He used the open lapels to pull the man in closer before his hands pressed to his chest. A groan rumbled through Jamin's chest as Hanny's fingers clawed down his skin. He tore his lips away from Hanny and traced them along his jaw to his neck. There was an intoxicating scent filling the room, their natural pheromones mixing in the air, filling, filtering through, strong and compatible, despite Hanny's scent blockers and Jamin's cologne. I can't believe you're distracting me from work like this, Hanny breathed against Jamin's lips when he finally broke for air. Don't pretend you hate it, Jamin replied before capturing his mouth once more. Hanny grabbed his tie, drawing him in close, with his hands around the knot of it. His fingers slipped down the silk and landed on his chest. His nails flicked over each of his shirt buttons, loosening them. Gradually, Hanny's fingers reached to the clasp of his belt. He traced the thick leather before his fingers dipped lower, following the seam down and over the prominent bulge of his cock, extended along his inner thigh. Jamin, Hanny gasped, pulling away. Yes, Jamin all but growled in response. He licked his lips and traced Hanny's body with dark, hungry, with a dark, hungry gaze. Hanny touched his chin, bringing his eyes back up. He smiled. I need to get back to work. So that was a tease. Um, yeah, uh, as soon as I finish this one, Borders Between Empires, uh, the next story I'm planning to self-publish is Whiskey and Pearls. It's another historical short, but this time set in London during the 1930s. It'll follow a jewelry thief and his companion as they navigate their risky relationship. I don't have much written for that yet, apart from the outline and a few random scenes, but I'm a big Peaky Blinders fan, so if you are too, and those are your, some vibes that you're dying to see in a gay erotic short, you can follow me and be on the lookout for that. How can we follow Sasha Hope? What platforms are you active on? You can find me at Sasha Hope on pretty much every platform. Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Linktree, all of that. I also have a Tumblr inspiration blog for the Empires of Luxor City. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. I've been Sasha Hope. Thanks so much for having me and for featuring his General's Gambit. Bye-bye. You're listening to All the Filthy Details. <laughs>
Let's hand over to Diana for this episode's Filth the Erotic Book Review. Hello, I'm Di, and you're listening to Filth, the Erotic Book Review. We've got three very different books to critique today, and thanks to our writer special, we're assisted by two star recommendation winners. Let's get started with our first book, Get to the Good Stuff by C. Gunn. A private and personal act, masturbation is viewed by many as taboo. While many people are more than comfortable to be completely naked among one another and delve headfirst into the pleasurable world of oral and penetrative sex, masturbation is off the table. For some, though, pleasuring oneself, especially in front of their partner, is a major turn-on. They both loved the act, presenting one another with a private and intimate show as they pleasured themselves. It was the ultimate in foreplay for them, Laying together, side by side, reduced to nothing but bare flesh. He looked at her in sheer awe as her hand moved between her legs, slowly caressing her pussy. It excited him so much to see her touching herself that his cock was ridiculously hard in his hand as he stroked it up and down. She could see his hard cock in his hand as clear as night sky. Every time he pulled his foreskin back to reveal the rounded head of his dick, a small tremor of pleasure shot through her body to her pussy. Starting at her clit and moving down towards the entrance of her pussy and back up, she attempted to match the speed of his hand as he played with himself. Watching her heavy breasts rise and fall with every breath, he could tell she was becoming more and more excited as her chest rose and fell faster and faster. Seeing how increasingly excited she was becoming, he moved his own hand along the shaft, pulling his foreskin as far back as it would go, faster. His hand was now a blur it was moving so fast, watching it move up and down. His cock had become so large his hand was unable to envelop his entire girth. Matching his speed and without taking her eyes off his cock, she moved her own hand to pay special attention to her clit, applying just the right amount of pressure. The moment he enjoyed the most when they masturbated together had arrived. The sound of her pussy becoming so wet her juices were flowing out of her. As he watched her hand move faster, he could tell how turned on she was by the sound she was making, and she rubbed her wet pussy. A wonderful sound which made him hornier, and the cum in his balls to start rising. She could see him starting to stiffen, and his body beginning to arch. His breathing was becoming heavier and deeper. A soft groan was beginning to emanate from his lips and his hand continued to move up and down at a furious rate. She knew his orgasm was starting to build. Her hand disappeared from his view. It was still between her legs, but he could no longer see it. This didn't matter, though. While he couldn't see what she was doing, he knew her fingers had moved away from paying attention to her clit and were now moving up and down the opening to her pussy. No doubt spreading that sweet, tasty juice of hers that he loved to drink. Her vision was becoming a blur. Her excitement was beginning to peak. Her body was becoming electric, and she could feel everything at a heightened level. Rubbing herself faster, squeezing her legs together, her entire body beginning to shake. A moan of pleasure escaped from her lips as she felt the satisfying rush of her orgasm explode throughout her body. Watching her come as she lay next to him was nothing short of heaven. Beating his cock as hard and as fast as he could, he wanted nothing more than to come alongside her. Jerking himself off as fast as he physically could, desperate to come before her own orgasm had finished. He could feel the satisfying stir in his loins as the pressure built up and pushed against the grip of his hand, pulling down on himself as much as he could. He felt the first wave erupt from the tip of his cock. Allowing himself to roar out in fulfillment, his cock spurted out one long wave of cum after the other. Midway through her own orgasm, she heard him groan out loud. It wasn't a quiet moan like her own, but an animalistic roar. She loved it. While she struggled to see him as she rode and enjoyed her own orgasm, she knew cum was exploding from his cock and landing on his body. 
Get to the Good Stuff is a collection of flash fiction sex stories. It's narrated in the third-person aspect, which is broken up with the odd line of dialogue here and there. The overall aim of this book is to bypass the regular buildup and character development you get in most erotica titles in favor of heading straight to the sex scenes. Fornication's Fire by C. Stuart Lewis Georgia Blue I went way down to Georgia to see a girl I know. Say I went down to Georgia to see a girl that I know. Went all the way to Georgia to get my cock a blow. She's so pretty and her mouth know what to do. Yes, she's so pretty and her mouth know what to do. Her pretty mouth done made me, made me blow off one of my shoes. Her ass is fat and her eyes they are blue. Oh, her ass is fat and her eyes are dark blue. She looks at me that way, I know what I gotta do. I went down to Georgia to see a girl I know. I went down to Georgia to see a girl I know. Went way down to Georgia and took her right there on the floor. She called me daddy because I gave her something sweet. Oh, she called me daddy because I gave her something sweet. Oh, it was salty, not sweet. And it knocked her right off her feet. I went down to Georgia and put her on her back. Say, went down to Georgia and put her on her back. Went way down to Georgia and emptied my entire sack. Fornication's Fire is a collection of erotic poetry. There are around 30 poems covering a broad spectrum of all aspects of sex. It's designed to entertain and provoke the senses. Needing Her That Night by Lacey Cross God, my wife is so fucking gorgeous and sexy. I yearn to fill my hands and mouth with her delectable body, but I want her to be in control for the moment until I take it away from her. She's enjoying her effect on me, and she's flushed and breathing hard, so I know it's making her hot. I reach down and stroke myself through my jeans to show her how much I'm appreciating everything she's doing. Her eyes follow my hand for a moment, as she steps out of the skirt and pushes it to the side with her foot. When I realize she's about to reach behind her and undo the corset, I spring into action. Oh, hell no, that's my job. Stop! I growl at her. When she halts with her hands at her back, I tell her, Turn around. Her lips part and her eyes widen as she silently faces the wall. The satin and lace of her panties stretch across her full ass, and when I press up against her, I caress each cheek and lean down to nibble on her neck. She tips her head to the side and moans, God, Jules, that feels good. I move my mouth up and tug at an earlobe as she giggles. I know it's a sensitive spot that both tickles and turns her on. When I whisper in her ear, Spread your legs a little. She immediately complies, and I get a nice ping of pleasure from her obeying my command. In the past, she and I have experimented with BDSM since I enjoy being in control during sex. But it was never anything we did seriously. In the last few years, we've been too busy to explore much in the bedroom. But tonight, my almost overwhelming desire to fuck her roughly tells me we need to make more time. This is exactly what's been missing lately. Running my hand between her legs from behind, I caress her pussy through the fabric of her panties. She groans and leans back against me. The delicate panties are already wet, and I press firmly against them, straining the material as I rub her. I bite her neck softly and ask, Kassara, how do you want me to fuck you? Oh... She peeps out in a small voice, and just that one word tells me she's reached the point where she's sexually dazed and not able to think. She sighs as she answers, Bent over the table, please. I smile, knowing she can't see it, and slip my finger underneath the edge of her panties so I can fondle her. Too bad. Sluts don't get to decide. I want you against the wall. I make sure my fingers are slick with her wetness before I caress her clit in circles. 
She rewards me with a moan, and I bite down harder on her neck. She gasps as my teeth dig in deep enough to brand her. If she goes over to her sister's house tomorrow, I want her squirming and hiding the mark to avoid having to endure a day's worth of her sister's teasing comments. Kissing my way up to her ear again, I nibble on her earlobe and she shivers while I rub gentle circles against her swollen bean. My cock is rock hard and I'm close to losing control, so I remove my fingers from her pussy and take a step back so I can unwrap my present. I croon at her, trying to contrast my harsh bite with softness to make her head spin. Part of a five-book series called When Couples Play, Needing Her That Night is all about a man surprised by his wife's initiative to spice up their marriage. This is a role-play fantasy in a workplace scenario. It contains some light elements of BDSM. It's time to start critiquing these titles. First, let's start with our star recommendation winning guest, Sasha Hope. We asked her to help us review these titles and identify her favorite. Here's what she had to say. Get to the good stuff. This series of flash fictions is very much exactly what it says on the tin, and I am so here for it. I tend to read longer stories with a little more character development, but this is great flash erotica. No preamble, quick fucks, just two nameless, faceless characters getting down and dirty. One of the main kinks throughout the series is public and semi-public sex, so if you're into that, you'll like these. Overall, these short, smutty, filthy little stories are exactly what the writer is going for. Pure word porn. Fornication's Fire by C. Stuart Lewis I'm not much of a poetry reader, but I don't think much of the poetry they had us read back in my high school days was this hot or fun. This series of sexy poems mostly evokes heated imagery and scenarios, but also sometimes they're clearly just meant to be fun, if not a little silly, like the second poem, simply titled Sex. Each poem is unique in rhythm and meter and varied diction. Apart from the theme, no two are alike. Some feel like full songs and others are short and punchy. Each one tells its own story and I really enjoyed them all immensely. Needing Her That Night by Lacey Cross. Of the three works I read, I have to say I enjoyed this story the most. I don't want to fully spoil the twist, so I'll summarize by saying that this at first, seemed like a story of a middle-aged man's adulterous sexual fantasies about a young female customer in his comic book shop. What it turns into is something that I almost want to say is a wholesome revitalization of a relationship. The fantasy roleplay is sexy and exciting, and the entire story is very well written. The author does a great job of setting up the characters in chapter one and then reaching a satisfying climax in chapter two. This definitely feels like a story nerdy couples could get behind and would really enjoy. We also invited the writer of The Office Party and star recommendation winning author Tiny Sparks back to help us review these titles. Here's what she had to say. The first book I read of the three that uh, I got offered to review was Get to the Good Stuff. Uh, this one is flash fiction, and in the foreword you do get the warning that it's raunchy sex without any of the background story. Now, while I do like my sex scenes, I'm not very interested in just only reading the sex scenes basically because it doesn't get me off. Uh, in porn, it does get me off, but that is because I can use my imagination uh, with the background story. You just get the action. Um, the biggest issue with these stories was that it was full of typos. Um, it needs to be reread and it needs to be edited. Uh, a lot of the um, mistakes were just words left out or uh, words too many and um, that needs to get a bit of work on. 
And my suggestion would be add just that little bit of backstory because that would build up the steam and uh, everyone, anyone that goes for their own orgasm, they need that little build up because you don't just get horny and then get off or get an orgasm. You need a little bit of a build up. The second book I got was The Flames of Fornication, which is a poetry book, an erotic poetry book. Even though I don't like poetry, I uh, did give it a try. I was very curious because I've never heard of erotic poetry. And I have to say, it does make me laugh, but it doesn't give me any... Um, steam to say it like that it's it's just funny it's a fun read because literally you laugh out loud but you're not gonna get any satisfaction from it orgasm wise to say it like that the third title i got was needing her that night that was a short story a bit of an office uh, play on um, the sex scene uh, it does have a nice build-up, it gives you lots of information and it's very sweet in its ending and the sex scene is quite hot. The only issue I had with this, it does need a tiny bit of editing because there were some mistakes. But um, what I did have a problem with was that, and I'm trying not to use spoilers here, but the author mentioned she is gone. And now when I read that, in my head, it means that she is dead, which she wasn't, but it could be that as just in my mind, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if anyone else would read it and um, understand it that way, but um, that one was sweet. Uh, it's very, very short, uh, but I did uh, like that one. Now to compare these three titles, um, it's quite difficult because they're all in a genre or niche of their own. I can uh, compare short stories with each other. I could maybe compare uh, three books of poetry and maybe three books of flash fiction, but I can't put them together. So um, I can't pick and choose um, a favorite out of that or even say that one deserves a star and that one doesn't because except for if i would go just for the editing part then um, i'm guessing needing her that night would be the one right back to me to try and wrap this up get to the good stuff is a 3.4 out of 5. this book could have been a 4.3 out of 5 if it wasn't for several critical errors so, let's talk about the good stuff first. There's a lot of sex scenes, and they're all written to be hot. The scenarios mostly work. A byproduct of not building up the characters in the scenes is that you can use your imagination to make them look like whoever you choose. Now, what lets this book down is several things. First, grammatical errors. The book is littered with them, so much so that our narrator complained about it, which is a first for us. In the excerpt she read, she corrected around eight sentences. Second, there's a style issue. The idea of writing everything in the third perspective makes this book read like porn with the subtitles on. I would have liked to see a bit more care and innovation used in what was potentially an easy title to recommend. Fornication's Fire is another 3.4 out of 5. Some of the team found this a bit tricky to rate because of the book's genre of poetry. However, anything becomes easier to rate when you break down your expectations for such a book. So, for example, was the book arousing? Were there memorable moments you felt compelled to talk to the team about? Did the wordplay impress or at least entertain you? And most importantly, could you recommend this to an ardent fan of erotica or poetry? We had these conversations and came to the consensus that this wasn't going to be the benchmark all erotica poetry books were to be measured against. Is it a fun, entertaining read? Yes, but is it as sophisticated as we'd like it to be? No. 
We want to read more challenging poetry in the future, which could compel the argument that this art form is the future of erotica. Needing Her That Night is a 4.1 out of 5. What the author does here is clever, and I don't know if it was unintentional or a stroke of genius, but I'm definitely going to be looking out for her. She uses this story to subconsciously remind the reader that their longtime partners, or themselves, have the potential to rewind the years and freshen up the sexy. This story pulls in relatable elements, like working hard in a job that isn't exciting or in particularly rewarding, and gives them new potential. Despite this book being on the shorter side, it partially compensates us with a preview of another hot title. We think opportunities were missed here by not introducing a legitimate element of risk and keeping the read so short. Now, if it isn't already clear, Needing Her That Night by Lacey Cross is this episode's star recommendation. It ticks most of our boxes despite it being on the shorter side. Her story is engaging and captivating while being a great conversational piece for us to enjoy. We found ourselves asking each other in our team about their experiences, from spicing things up to having sex at work. Although, I'll stop myself right there as these conversations are more fitting for our shh, extra filth podcast. We can't let Tiny go without asking her what she has been up to. Is there anything you're working on or should be looking out for right now? Right, so the uh, last book I published was uh, The Escort, which is the second book in the Boudoir Erotic series. Um, For now, I'm taking a bit of a break on publishing because I was publishing one book a month and I'm a bit burned out. But obviously, my muse being the... uh, bitch that she is, gave me an idea for a full novel, which will be steamy slash erotic, uh, but uh, I'm going to keep that one under the wraps because I'm planning it for once instead of pantsing it. Um, so um, yeah, you'll have to see about that maybe, hopefully in two months time, but my newsletter is still active once a week. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. You can find Tiny's links in the description for those of you after something more salacious. We're going to be interviewing Tiny Sparks on our secret podcast, Shh, Extra Filth. These questions are going to be too raunchy for this podcast. You're listening to all the filthy details. (laughs) Thanks, Diana. Please be sure to check out Diana on Patreon for our sister podcast, Shh, Extra Filth. She talks more candidly on what's going on in the world of erotica, authors, and about the ignorant shit she's read. Well, she does when she isn't cutting off Kat. (laughs) Can I give a big shout out to Kat? Only kidding. I don't know that bitch. Anyway, here's a preview of Shh, Extra Filth. Headphones. But I don't know how relevant that is now, but fuck it. I'm going to have my say. Unfortunately, I feel like this means I will have to cut Cat short today. Is there anything you wanted to talk about in particular, Cat? It just so happens that the timing of a discreet email question happened to fit nicely with one of the themes of the last episode's book reviews. And that's threesomes. Someone respectfully, in the tone, asked how and why did you and T become so open sexually? Great question. It's a 2.9 out of 5. What kind of condescending bullshit was this? Seriously. Let's get my position crystal clear. I love well-written interracial, but this was some fetish bait and didn't make much sense to me. Babies, his way through the book, refers to a woman as being his snow bunny, name drops hip-hop songs he's enjoying to solidify the idea of a black identity, and for me, it's the wrong way of writing good interracial. I think the worst thing was not understanding why people were so eager to sleep so freely with this guy other than him being black and rich. You're listening.
The opposite of Shade and Brown by A.N. Onatop is a 4.2 out of 5. This is a polygamist ode to a dirty weekend, heavily romanticized. Apart from the lengthy sex scenes, this has some touching moments, like when the characters recite some of their first sexual experiences to each other, or even solidify their bonds to each other, if I say that and not spoil the title. Indecent Exposure Therapy by J.C. Parker is a 4.3 out of 5. One of the best written titles submitted but equally challenging to recommend because of its lack of action. It's built on sexual tensions to their peak, which happens to be a moment of weakness exposing the therapist to her patient. Time to lighten the mood, I think. Let's do one of our raunchy question and answers with one of our guest hosts from the last episode, Kristen Lance. If you had to be in a bisexual threesome, like in your book, Two for West, and you could only have one position, where are you placing the penises? Shh. Extra filth gives you behind-the-scenes opinions, views, and stories from the team behind all the filthy details. It's not censored, and it's not for everyone. If you haven't done so already... Click on our Twitter profile and subscribe to our Twitter-integrated online mailing list for previews, exclusive looks, and details on special offers. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> Longtime listeners of the podcast may remember author Hannah Cox announcing a book she was working on in the first show. Well, we've exclusively acquired that title and we'll be releasing it as an audiobook on our Patreon. Spite is an age-gap revenge thriller with drama at every turn, based on real-life events. This is not a book to be missed. Here's a preview. Disclaimer. Names have been changed, events have been dramatized, blah, 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 blah. I know. I know exactly what you're thinking. Not another billionaire trope-type story, and I'm so with you. But my story is different. Honestly, just hear me out. But first, should I say a little about myself before we start? My name's Anna, and my story occurred in the past before I moved to Britain. I wouldn't describe myself as being stunningly attractive, but I have a good figure and I'm not ugly or anything. I might sound like a good old southern girl, but my European parents have enriched my upbringing with their food and culture. I was just under 20 when these events took place. I genuinely don't understand people who pander to the rich just because of their wealth. Most people may think it's harmless, but I challenge you to look at things from my perspective for a moment. I had a boyfriend from an affluent family. I was attracted to him rather than his money, but as I got to know him better, I could tell right away his family's wealth had made him as dependent as a child. Everything in his possession was bought with his family's cash. The luxury sports cars he had driven and written off on occasion were also purchased by his father. As I alluded to earlier, John was physically attractive. Still, there is nothing sexy about watching a grown man destroy a flat-screen television larger than anything my parents or I have owned to further emphasize his rage during one of his childish tantrums. Obviously, I despise the idea that anything he destroyed didn't cost him anything to replace. Being clear of the lay of the land, I knew it would always be challenging, trying to get John to cut the umbilical cord from his parents. However, what I wasn't prepared for was his bitch of a mother. Indulge me for a moment. Close your eyes. Now imagine the most unreasonable person you have ever met and multiply that by two and you may come close to what it was like dealing with Helga. Nothing I did was ever right in her eyes, whether I was using the wrong cutlery or perhaps wearing the wrong shoes, bag, coat, etc. What really brought things to a head was a snide comment she made about me to a champagne waitress at one of their lavish parties. My lipstick had left an impression on the champagne flute I was drinking from, prompting her to raise her eyebrows at the waitress, suggesting I was cheap, classless, and such a vintage wasn't to be wasted on the likes of me. Not intending to cause a scene, she spoke to the woman in her native Dutch. Clearly, I'm not affluent, but I'm far from stupid. 
she hadn't invested enough of an interest in me to know that I'm proficient in Dutch. Plus, I'm vengeful as hell. This was one insult I wasn't going to let her get away with. So this is what spurred me to get the better of Val, Helga's husband, and John's father. It started the same night. I would feign being drunk and stumble on Val, promoting him to hold me up. Subliminally, I started referring to him as Daddy, and he took the bait. Got him, I thought. I'm going to show this Helga bitch who calls the shots around here. A little later, I would feign another heel slip, forcing him to catch me. As he held my petite frame close to him, guiding me through the crowd, I noticed the bulge move within his trousers. If I played my cards right, I could get him to make a move on me. We are now on Patreon. Our offer is fantastic. You'll get access to all our literary lovesick audiobooks for a price that is comparable to a single ebook. You can end your subscription at any time, and you'll still be able to keep your books. We also have more exclusive content, and even the option to put your character in our books. Head over there now and get your first glimpse of the newest title in Season 2 of the Erotic Diary series, Transitions. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. Next month, we have a special monster episode planned. No, actually the episode is in the monster niche. See you next time, sexy people.